on somebody. Well, welcome. How's everybody doing today? Good. Did you enjoy that time of worship? Come on, somebody. Well, my wife and I have the honor and the privilege to tag team preach. And y'all don't know this. You do know that my wife is super anointed and gifted, but I have to drag her up here just so y'all know. Um, if you only knew. Uh, but uh, it's such a blessing uh, that we can do it together sometimes, you know, and just kind of flow and, uh, and preach together. Yeah. Amen. So how many have been enjoying the series that we're doing, the equipping? Good stuff. Every time I ask that, I'm anticipating and praying for better responses. And it never happens. So you're affecting my faith in God. So how many have been enjoying the series, the equipping? Praise him, praise him. Come on, Jera. Did you make her sit down? Was she embarrassing you? Does she do that a lot? Oh, just love her anyways. Praise God. So why don't you open this up and let everybody know what we're going to be talking about today. So Talk um, about the app too, so they can follow oh, okay. along. Um, go, if you haven't downloaded our app, um, you can search our app in Encounter Church Las Vegas. Put in that banner store, up if you could, Katrina. Or you can text. The app banner. She's on it. Um, you can text 77977 Encounter app to that number, and you'll download the app. And the reason why we want you to download it is because you can follow along on your app and follow along um, the sermon today. And there's sermon notes already built in. Um, you can fill in the blank, and then you can save it, download it, save it to your notes, or send it to somebody you think needs to hear the message when you want to be the Holy Spirit. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> So um, download the app, and then you can follow along with us. But this morning, we're going to continue our series um, of the equipping, and we're going to talk this morning about the heart of the shepherd. We're going to talk about what it means to follow the heart of a shepherd, and how many know that Jesus is our shepherd. And it, the Bible says that we follow him, we follow Christ, that we're supposed to imitate our Jesus. Amen? So we're going to start this morning in uh, Matthew chapter 9. And if you are following along in the sermon notes, there's actually a link right there um, where you can click on the Bible app. It'll open up the Bible app. Then you can go right back to the app and continue to take notes. And it's in the, the correct version and everything. So we are going to be reading from the New King Jimmy version. Come on, somebody. Who's stuck on the KJV? Anybody likes the thee, thou, though? Sometimes good old King Jimmy really empowers us. So we're going to read from the New King James. Um, why don't you go ahead and read it, baby? Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. Pray with me real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. And we get to experience your presence and love together. We love it, Lord. We love to just be with you. You're teaching us to love one another, and you're teaching us to love humanity better. 
We pray, God, that through what we're sharing today, truth would transform and bring change and shift inside of our being. We open our hearts together, and we pray in Jesus' name. Can you just shout out amen? Amen. 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 So if you do have the app open, this is point number one, and you can fill it in. Honey, let's go, you go ahead and read this out, and let's talk about it. This is so profound. What we see influences the posture of our heart, and the posture of our heart influences how and what we see. So, so many times in our life, um, we, we go through life and we just, it's almost like we don't have vision or we don't really see clearly what God has for us or what his will is for us. Um, I was going through a, a Bible study with some ladies and we were talking about, are you fulfilled in life? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Is God really fulfilling what he has in you? And s- sometimes we can't say yes to that. And, I, and so we begin to go through this psalm, Psalm 73. It's Zach's favorite psalm. And um, on the journey of this psalmist, it's a really beautiful p- portion of scripture. And I honestly, I think you can preach a month of messages on just Psalm 73. But you, you look at the journey of the psalmist, and he begins by envying the wicked. He begins by comparing his life to people that walk in prosperity. He even, he even goes to church and questions why he's in the house of God, only if God will condemn the wicked, only if God will get back at that dude who messed with me. And so you see the journey of the psalmist that in his process of his heart, he wasn't really able to be what God had called him to be. He wasn't really able to fulfill the call of God on his life. He wasn't even able to see past his own circumstances until Jesus became his plumb line. Until Jesus became the strength of my heart and my portion Forever is what it says at the end of Psalm 73. This is a profound reality. I don't understand it all. Like Jesus says things, we talked about this last service, that if if someone looks at another person with lust, like if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery in his heart. How many know that scripture? So he's talking about our eyes looking in the wrong direction and then something happening within us. Um, And a lot of times we'll read that and we'll think like, well, you're sinning at that moment, which of course that's true, but I think there's something deeper. And this is why it's important that we, we understand how to read the Bible, which by the way, in the app under equipping resources on the bottom right, there's all sorts of resources for you to learn how to read scripture. Um, and when we understand that the Bible was not written in a Western worldview in which we are in, in it more of a Greek worldview, it was written in a Hebrew worldview. And we, we understand that the heart is the center of our being. So when Jesus is saying, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his eye, he's already committed adultery in his heart. Yes, there is an act of sin that's happening in the moment, but I think it's a little deeper than that, where Jesus is saying, if your eyes are gravitated in a certain direction, that means your heart has already been opened in that direction. Wherever you aim your heart, that's the direction of your life. Now, Psalm 73, the orientation of our heart focuses how and what we see and vice versa. 
There's a connection with the eyes and the heart. Yeah. When my heart is oriented at heaven, I see things from a heavenly perspective. Yeah. It changes my vision. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that sometimes all we really need is to yield and reorient our lives at God. And Psalm 73, the conclusion is, you are my strength and my portion forever. Whom do I have? This is my favorite line of the entire psalm. Whom do I have in heaven but you? There is none on earth I desire like I desire you. When we orient our lives and say, God, you're the strength of my heart. Even when my flesh fails, you are the one who, who causes breath. To, to, you, you cause life, Lord. You hold everything. Do you know that you're actually breathing Jesus air right now? Because Jesus holds every subatomic particle together. Take a deep breath. And whether you are a Christian or not, you still breathe Jesus air. Because God is everywhere. And he sustains our life. And there's something about that reality where in our heart, our heart, the direction of our heart is going to determine where we go in life. Where our heart is, there or our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Jesus says, if your eye is single, your heart is single, the eyes of your heart, your whole body will be full of light. It's like the eyes are the window to the soul. And this is profound that Jesus, when he saw the multitude, something happened. When you, beauty turns the heart. Have you ever been in a place at night where you can actually see the stars, not Las Vegas, right? If you go to like Flagstaff, they have observatories there. It's beautiful, a little higher elevation. Um, the stars are unbelievable. And you, you literally, this is how it is for me. It's not like this for everybody, but, but for me, my heart, it turns towards the beauty of creation. Yeah. And the Bible says the heavens declare his glory. So beauty turns the heart and something happened. Jesus is showing the disciples what love looks like. He's preaching the gospel. He's healing every sickness and every disease. Notice it says every. Notice it says all. Come on. Jesus is a healer. He doesn't just heal. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Come on. He doesn't decide to heal because we've been good boys and girls. He is a healer. Healing flows from him. Amen. Healing flows from the hem of his garment. And when Jesus walked the earth, he showed us what God looked like, and he's preaching the gospel. And then he showed them even more. And he said, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. He was moved with compassion. Something grabbed his heart. Have you ever been moved with compassion? Let's, let's open up. Let's go to the second point and talk about, this is, this is a very profound statement. And I think this can go in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we don't realize our life is in chaos because we are in chaos inwardly. Point number two. Go ahead, honey. When we are moved internally, we move externally. When we are moved internally, we are moved externally. How many feel like you're in school again on the app, filling in the blanks? Come on. <laughs> you know you retain a lot more when you take notes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's a difference between compassion and sympathy. Sympathy is a comfortable place 
that I'm sitting where I can feel bad about the situation and circumstance of another person or another place or another people or whatever. I'm feeling bad about a situation. I can even cry about it or I can, you know, have like just it, it hurts my heart, but I'm still sitting in my same position. That's sympathy. And I think so many times we convolute the difference between sympathy and real compassion. Because what compassion is, compassion is what moves us to get up off of our seat and out to go change the same situation that we were sitting down feeling bad about. Compassion is what compels us to move and do something about it. So the difference between sympathy and compassion is your movement. The difference between sympathy and compassion is what you're going to do with it. Um, there's something in our house I don't let my kids say when we're talking about things that I ask them to do. My kids aren't allowed, allowed to say, I forgot. Because I tell them, when you say, I forgot. What do that... you do when they say it? Do you spank them? No. Oh. I don't. Maybe I they need them. a few spankings. They might. One of my children is on the front row. So I tell them, you're not allowed to say I forgot because what that speaks to me as your mama is that means I don't care because what you care about, you don't forget about. Um, So with with their teachers, with their homework, with their chores, with little things I ask them to do, You're not allowed to say, I forgot, because you don't forget about what you care about. Because when you really care about something, it changes what you do on the outside. It changes what you do on the outside. When it's real on the inside, it changes the outside. Because you can't just think and feel something, and then it sits there. And if it's real, it changes you. If it's real, it compels you. That's why when Jesus was saying he saw the multitudes, first you see see what God's called you to change. And then when you get the heart of God, it moves you to change something. The word compassion is, is described as this gut wrenching inside grabbing compassion that literally, it's almost like it makes you sick to your stomach. Like, Oh, like, man, that's just heart. You know, we would say something that's heartbreaking. But literally, this is the word in the Greek. This is what it's describing. It's actually mentioned 12 times in the New Testament. 12 is a number for the apostolic. And I was just thinking about it. I'm like, the word apostle comes from the word sent. Compassion sends us into dark places. Compassion pushes us to not criticize what's wrong, but to become the answer and a part of the solution. I mean, we do it. You probably don't want me to bring this up, honey, but I'll do it anyways. And you, you're so anointed to help free people in this, in this realm, by the way. We do it in our political affiliations. Whatever spectrum we vote on, you know, just depending on who, who we are, uh, you know, we have different values, and, and that's great. I think we should all be eclectic, and we shouldn't think that if you are affiliated with a certain party that you're you're more Christian than the person that's not with your party. We should first identify with the kingdom and plead allegiance to the Lord 
before we plead allegiance to our nation. That doesn't mean we don't honor our nation, but it means that we first honor the king of kings (laughs) of all imperial systems and kingdoms of this world. So this is profound to me. We do it. We vote every two years or four years. And then we complain about everything that's wrong and we scapegoat our leaders. I'm going to just blame Trump for all my problems. I'm going to blame Obama for all my problems. I'm going to blame Clinton or Bush for all my problems. Listen how quiet it is, baby. You like that? Instead of getting up off our and going, I was going to say, but don't think that I was going to say something else. Getting up off our, it's in the King James, jackasses and donkeys doing something about what's wrong. Like if we are frustrated with something, that probably means God's calling us to fix it, not complain about it. Compassion grabs us by the gut and pulls us into dark places. Well, we have a problem with this, a problem with that, and we're complaining. What are you going to do about it? We do it in the church, or my leader's this or that, or I just wish the worship was this and that. Well, do like what is God calling you to do? Why don't you start with prayer? Like God has called us to become the more, not criticize the lack. This is what the word compassion means. And Jesus, here's the Bible says, he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved. Compassion moves us. And when we are moved internally, we are moved externally. If we're not moved externally, then we are not moved internally. If our external is chaos, our internal is probably chaos. And if we just allow God to grab our insides and take on his heart. Point number three. What does that mean? I don't even know what it means. (laughs) I think I do. But we're learning what that means. Now, we say that a lot. We say, let's read point number three and let's talk about that. This is powerful. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom is always connected to having God's heart for people and what God has called us to do. Uh, Let's say that again. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom is always connected to having God's heart for people and what God has called us to do. So in other words, we have God's heart for our ministry and our calling and God's heart for people. Now, ministry is always about people. It's about loving people. It's not about fixing them. Praise God. Because I can't fix anybody. But I can love with the love of God by his grace. And this is a profound revelation. Sometimes we get stuck in ministry. And you hear me say this. I say this to all our leaders. If you feel like, you know, like you're, if you're preparing for a message or whatever and, you know, you're get set your heart on the people, yep. set your heart on the people and just think it's about them. I tell my daughter, mentoring her in worship leading, I say, honey, before you lead worship, first remember the gift that he put in you and treasure it and then call it forth. But always think about God, I get to bring people into an encounter with your presence. Yeah. Set your heart on the people. Yeah. It's always about the people. What does it mean to have God's heart for people? I think one of the ways to describe is we get his desire, his thoughts, his emotions, his intent, his voice for people, his word for people, and his love embedded within our hearts. It's as if his heart begins to beat inside of ours or his heart changes the rhythm of my heartbeat and I'm moved to do something. And this is what the scripture says. The next part of this verse says that he looked 
And he moved, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And we want, as Christians, we want all of us to have the heart of a shepherd. That doesn't mean we're going to pastor church, but it means that we should shepherd and love people and want to bring them in a safe place into the fold. Can you say amen? Honey, unpack this a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about it. So, um... We lost our lights. We lost our lights. Um... What, I've heard this been said by you and other people that one of the main issues in our society today is fatherlessness. And it doesn't yeah. just mean that there's homes that don't have fathers. It's a generation of people not being parented. It's a whole generation. And so when I think about that, I think of my mandate as a mom to love and raise my children. And if we focused our heart on just Loving the ones in front of us well. I mean, it will change everything if you just love who's in front of you. And when I think about this scripture, I think about when Jesus said, I long to gather them like a hen longs to gather its chicks. And um, I have, we have five kids, and I remember when they were littler, they're all kind of big now, and they, they, take care of themselves mostly, you know, they can dress themselves and feed themselves. Layla cooks for herself. She makes grilled chicken in the backyard. She's five. We get home. She's back there. I grilled some chicken pops. No, I'm just. I I took a video of her because I was messing with her. I was like, we're going to leave you home because you're a big girl now. Because she's always talking about how she's a big girl because she lost two teeth. And I'm like, you're such a big girl. You can stay home by yourself now. And she's like, well, who's going to make me food? (laughs) I'm not going to say who while we're on the subject real quick, or I'll throw them under the bus, but one of our five children decided to make something in the microwave, and we didn't know what was going on. We're upstairs, and we smell something burning. Do you smell that? It smells like something. That's not the aroma of heaven. That doesn't smell. Layla's walking in. She walks in. She's like, what did she say? It melted. That's and then we see like this puff of smoke come in the room behind her, or the like. We're like, running downstairs. What had happened is one of the other four had put. I'm not going to say who, Hannah. Um, put it just fell out. She put mac and cheese in the microwave, and she's like, it said one to eleven minutes. Chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets but it was one to one and a half minutes and she just read the, but that happens. So she put it in for seven minutes. Parenthood. Yeah, seven and minutes. She, she averaged it out, one to 11 minutes. It was only supposed to be in there for like a minute and a half. It melted. All right, back to shepherding your children. So there's been times where we're out in public and we have to count your kids. You know, like on that Home Alone scene, well, tell them to count their kids again. So we often have had to just count the children. Okay, one, two, three, four, we're all here. Five's here, we're good. And then we, we, oh, we, we have one, and he, he likes to be about 10 feet back and five minutes we behind lost him once. all of the rest of the children. And yes, we did lose for him For two minutes, for it was the longest two minutes of my life. A few minutes, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was really, but I just, I think about my heart as a mom that's just, okay, make sure we're all together. 
make sure we're all going in the same direction. Are we all in the car? Are we all in the store? Are we all where we're supposed to be? Is everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing? The heart of a shepherd says, I'm going to gather you and make sure not one is left behind. Not one is excluded. Not one is outside of the fold. The heart of a shepherd is like a hen who longs to gather her chicks. And sometimes that means being a part of church community. Yeah, like, it, I guess it really does mean that. And we, when we understand the heart of Jesus for his church and for people, we understand he, God is pro-gathering. God is pro-church. There's this idea that really irritates me that people say like, well, I'm not really about the church. I'm about the kingdom of God. Well, if you're about the kingdom of God, you will be about the church because the church is the people of God. The church has the keys to the kingdom. So if you really want to open doors of the kingdom, then you would be pro-church. And the heart of a shepherd causes us to see, not only do we get Jesus's heart for the bride of Christ, but we're like, oh, gathering. And we learned something you just said. I thought about this. When we receive that, it's like we walk together in harmony because we need each other. We're not meant to walk this life alone. And sometimes it takes us saying, I'm going to walk. I'm going to get close to you. I'm going to stick by your side. And, and that is a powerful, powerful thing. Yeah powerful. And sheep are meant to graze. Sheep are meant to have freedom to graze, but they're in a safe place. Yeah. Under, do you know the first time that Jesus, God incarnate, was announced by angels? He, guess who he announced it to? Shepherds right. in the field. And shepherds were a very lowly mm -hmm. like work career. It was, not, it was a very low class type of job. But God entrusted his own son, the voice announcing the coming of Jesus to shepherds. And he has entrusted us to have a heart of a shepherd right. with people right. to love well. Yeah. Remember the story of the uh, young lady who came up to me and she's like, we're at a conference. She recognized me from uh, that I was a pastor from another church. She says, oh, Pastor Zach, hi. How do I become a pastor? And I'm thinking, I think I know what she means by that. So what I said was, well, what you need to do is just get God's heart for people. So find a couple sisters, one or two that you're close with, start meeting with them at Starbucks and doing Bible studies and love them and pray with them. And you'll walk in like, you know, a grace where you're shepherding people. And she's like, no, 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 no. I want, I want like, the, she, what she wants is the title, not the function. Well, no, I want to be ordained. And like, well, which I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, or, ordination is the confirmation of what God has anointed. And when we get God's heart for ministry, we get the anointing for the ministry. And that's what we need. We just need God's heart for people. If we lose heart, I love the metaphor, do not lose heart. Because what it means is lose strength. But sometimes we have to locate our heart. Where is it oriented? Man, I'm burnt out in ministry. Well, orient your heart at the people. And remember, it's an honor to serve. It's an honor we do everything heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Like there's something about that and we have God's heart for people and we just love and we serve and we locate our hearts. Yeah, that's that's good. good. That's Let's good. talk about point number four, which we're going to do a series on prayer soon. Yeah. And I'm really excited about yeah. that. So prayer positions us this and is empowers point four. us. Prayer positions us 
and empowers us. And what it does is it positions us, empowers us to see and do what the Father is doing. You know, Jesus said, I only do and I only say what my Father is doing and saying in John chapter 5. Jesus was the revelation. Jesus was the picture of somebody who is perfectly, 100% yielded to the voice of God. That's why he can be our example, because we can be perfectly yielded to the heart and voice of God. When we give ourselves an out, like I'm just human and I'm not perfect and I'm not this and I'm not that, I don't always, then we're giving ourselves a way to not hear and do what God is saying and doing. We give ourselves an out more often than we have an expectation for ourselves to rise up to the example that Jesus gave. Jesus said, I'm perfectly yielded to my Father. I hear him, and I know his heart, and I say and do what he is saying and doing. And as children of God, we can, too, be perfectly yielded to our Papa. Perfectly yielded. God, I only want to say and do what you're saying and doing. And that's what prayer does. Prayer positions us into our identity. Sometimes we're not living the life that God's called us to live. We're living outside of the the power of the resurrected Christ inside of us. See, because he said, I've given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Everything you need for life and godliness, God has already given to you. So how do you get what God's given to you? You pray. You set your heart, you align your heart with what God has already said about you, what God has already done in you, and that's how you live out your real identity. We begin to resonate, we begin to harmonize with heaven when we pray, when we come into communion, prayer, worship, and and we come in and align our hearts to heaven. And it's interesting, in the Gospels, how many are familiar with the story where the disciples couldn't cast out a specific spirit, and they come up to Jesus like, Jesus, we had a hard time casting these demons out. You know, you sent us out to cast devils out, and it's not working. He's like, oh, yeah, that's because I pray and you don't. <laughs> now, he's not saying my prayers give me more authority. He's saying, no, I know how to align myself to the authority of God. That's good. It postures us, it positions us, yeah. and also empowers us. It that's clears right. our mind so that we can see what the Father's doing, and then it empowers us to go do it. That's prayer is so important. We should be a people of prayer. We should be a people that pray, and there's a connection to this and that compassion, the gut. There's times in prayer where it just, it hits, it's your, and you're praying from your gut. And here's, here's, you'll hear things like prayer changes things. How many believe that? Prayer changes things. I, I can't wait to teach on prayer. We need to talk about the reality that sometimes prayer, like, literally can change things that are ahead. Do you believe that? Now, it's important that we, as humans, made in the image of God, knowing that we're not omniscient, amen, we were never made for omniscience. I have a friend who's a charismatic Episcopal priest, and he says, you're not made for omniscience, turn it off. I'd like to take it another step further. We don't even, we're not even made to understand what omniscience is. Yeah. 
And it's important when we pray and we think about the future and we think about the now that we don't see things and try to put ourselves from a God perspective and think that in the future everything is pre-settled and it is a, an actual reality. How many know that there are some things that are an actual reality in heaven or in the future? Like, like Jesus is coming back. That's a reality. But some things are possible and some things don't happen because we don't pray. Now, that's a hard one to take. If we rely and just say, well, God's in control. He's just going to do it. And all prayer is is for us. No, it's prayer changes things. Prayer changes me to go change things. And prayer changes everything. And there's something about prayer that, that compassion, ugh, and Jesus, it grabs us by the gut. And then we begin to, oh man, I'm created for this and I'm empowered for this. And you pray for someone, then you want to go lay hands on them and you want to go minister to them. And, and so this is really powerful that, that we understand Jesus himself says, look at the harvest, it's plentiful. Therefore pray that God that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers. And then what does he do in the next verse of the next chapter? He sends out his disciples and he answers his own prayer. Prayer is partnership with God. It positions us to see what the Father's doing, see his will in the earth, and then it pushes us out to go do the will of God. Come on. This is what Jesus said. Pray, Father, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, forgive us as we forgive. Like this is, okay, now let's do it. Let's go walk out in forgiveness. Let's do the will of God. And that happens when we live in a place where we allow the heart of the shepherd to beat in us for humanity. Last service, we close with this. And I would love if you could read some of this. Can we just talk about, my wife and I, before we planted the church, we read a, a book that really, really impacted our our lives. And and it challenged us to, to love the one. When we say that, we're talking about the one who is broken, the one who's lost, maybe the one who never receives love, the one who never gets affection, the one who, and so we would go out, and this is what the Lord told us. We're like, all right, we're, we want to plant a church, God. This is like 13 years ago. God's like, oh, that's cool. Well, if you can love one person, then I'll trust you with more because it's about people. So we would go out and just look for one person to love. And we would look. And then our hearts, oh God, you love them. I do this in worship sometimes. I'm worshiping and I'm like thinking about what I'm gonna preach and I'll turn around and I'll look at all your faces and I'll think, God, you love them so much. I just want to give them your word. I want to bless them and encourage them. And we go out and just look for one person to love. Just one person. And when we're doing that, we're actually loving Jesus. Read Matthew 25. This is one of those scary verses we don't like to read in church, but let's just go ahead and read it. Um, the sheep and the goats are separated. I'll just give the context. Interesting. The sheep and the goats are separated. And then look, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. 
the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The one in front of you. The one in front of you. So many times, God will give my heart about this subject. He'll say, can you just value, treasure, love, pour your life into the one in front of you? rejected your neighbor your children your spouse your prodigal the one in front of you what you've done to the least we've done to you Jesus Would you close your eyes so we can just close in prayer right now? I feel like you need to know that you are the one that he loves. And that's what empowers us to love like him. I want you to know you've come into this place. Jesus, the good shepherd, has arms wide open to bring you into his fold, to bring you into healing green pastures. Not only does he want to teach us how to love and carry his heart and love the broken in the world, but he wants us to know that we're the one that he loved. If you're in this place and you don't feel significant, you don't, you've never experienced God's love, and maybe in this service you've experienced his presence and during worship and, and you're hearing, you're hearing. It's like, man, there's something ringing about what they're talking about. I want to tell you, if you didn't hear anything that we said, listen to me. He loves you. You are the one that he loves and you are valuable. And so if you're in this place and we're going to have our prayer team come up in just a minute, but if you want to receive Jesus, if you want if you, if you want to be surrounded by people and loved and encouraged and prayed for, maybe you just, you're carrying heavy burdens and you are ready to lay them down. There's something really profound about coming to the altar and just receiving. There was a, 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 a revivalist in uh, church history and she would say, lay it all on the altar. Just lay it all down on the altar. And maybe you're here and you want to just lay it all down on the altar. Lay the burden of your sin. Receive forgiveness. Lay that, that weight down, that, that lie that says you're not valuable. You're not enough. He wants you to know how loved you are. If you're in this place and you say, 
man, something's speaking to my heart. I want to receive that love. I want you to, every eye closed right now, quickly raise your hand up. Say, that's me, pastor. Pray for me. I want to know that love. Come on, lift your hands high. Lift your hands high. There's hands all over the room going up. Pastor, pray for me. I want to know that love. I want to know that love. You can put your hands down. I want to have our prayer team come up right now. Can we, in an attitude of prayer, I want to ask our staff, our team, those of you here, just pray softly right now and just begin to pray that every person in this room does not leave the same or without encountering his love, knowing that they are the one that Jesus loves. And so if you feel alone, you feel lost, you feel broken, hurting, we want you to come. I'm going to have my wife dismiss but if you raise your hand or if you're in this place and you need prayer for anything, doesn't matter what it is, our prayer team is here to bless you and to pray for you. Please dim the house lights all the way down. And I want, uh, honey, would you just go ahead and dismiss and, and just anything else that God has on your heart and have them come and receive his love. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We receive the good shepherd in this house this morning. Jesus, we receive you. Jesus, you show us the way to the Father. Jesus, we open our heart. We say yes to your word. We say yes to this command to take on the heart of the shepherd. We say yes as your people. We say yes in Jesus' name. Now, if you want to be dismissed, I want to dismiss you. We love you. We bless you. Have an amazing day. But everyone else, please take a card off your chair. Invite some people. It's our 10-year anniversary next week. We want to, we don't want to do it. We don't want to celebrate without you. You're why we do this. You're the reason why we've done it for 10 years. So bring some people to encounter the love of God next week. But everybody else, I just, I don't want to miss this moment. The presence of Jesus is in this place. The presence of Jesus is here. And what happens when the presence of Jesus is manifest, everything comes in to where it's supposed to be. The broken are the heart, the brokenhearted are made, are made mended. The, the broken bodies are healed. Jesus, you're in this place. So if you're here and you need prayer, I just want you to come. Just come. Come receive. You can stand with someone or you can just come sit on the carpet. We're just going to spend some time. If you raised your hand, I want you to just to come. If you want to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. But everybody else, I just, the presence of Jesus is here. And he will make all things new. He will make all things new. Jesus, you make all things new. We love you, God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be dismissed. We love you. Come next week. Take some cards. Invite some people.